TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Better dead than red finally has come to fruition. It has real meaning here in the podcast era. And that's where we will start Scoop Podcast episode 187. We'll get to former Gophers quarterback Connor Rhoda. He was in Madison for the big victory over the weekend. We'll start with him in just a bit. We'll get to Zeke Najee of Hopkins High School who committed to Arizona on Friday. Plus I have notes on the Wolves, Twins, Vikings and Gophers, as always, or at least in the last, I don't know, month or two, the Scoop Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie, MyBookie.com. I'll tell you more about MyBookie as we move on. But let's bring into the conversation. He started games last year for P.J. Fleck. He started a couple years ago. He started that victory for Tracy Clays at Maryland. He knows a ton about the Gophers because he now is a vested observer. But think about all the knowledge he gained playing for P.J. Fleck playing for Kirk Scirocco, running Kirk Scirocco's offense last year, plus his time in the program under Jerry Kill and Tracy Clay. So he is making his Scoop podcast debut. Hopefully we'll use him a few more times as the months move on, maybe closer to signing day or maybe after the bowl game to offer some analysis. That's sort of lost in the shuffle of the Gophers finally beating Wisconsin, winning for the first time in Madison since 1994, the most lopsided result in terms of a Gophers victory in the rivalry with Wisconsin since 1969. Lost in all that is the fact that the Gophers became bowl eligible. So hopefully we'll bring back Connor for another conversation in the near future. But let's get to Connor Rhoda now from Creighton Darham Hall High School, former Gophers quarterback. Here he is. Connor, appreciate your time. All right, let's start with Saturday. You were there in Madison. A, how surprising was the victory? And B, not only how surprising was the victory, how about how surprising and convincing the victory was? It's one thing to win. It's another thing to win by 22 points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was definitely surprising. I mean, the, literally the whole time I'm sitting there um, just picturing the last two times that we played in, in Madison and exactly how that those games went. And um, Demetrius brought that punt back to make it a three-score game, and I, I started feeling a little different. Um, but then immediately after that, Wisconsin goes down and makes it 10 going into half, and I was just I was sitting there, and uh, I was at the game with my girlfriend. I just kept telling her that I've just seen this happen way too many times right on this field. And, um, you know, the whole game, I was just waiting for it to get to a three-score game because I knew that the way Wisconsin was playing that um, – I just didn't think they had explosive enough players on offense with the way that they were attacking us and the way our defense was playing that I didn't think they could come back um, from three scores down. So um, it took a while to get to that three-score point, but they got there, and uh, it was a blast being out there. Were you on the sidelines for the 2014 game or just the 2016 game there? Yeah, because you're right. I was, there bo- I was there both years. Yeah, I mean, you guys led at the half in both. I mean, I vividly remember, unfortunately, 2014, you guys are playing for the for the West Division Championship. I was there. Yeah. I was there with some buddies from the East Coast. I mean, we were having a great time. That was also Packers-Patriots weekend, although I yeah. blew an opportunity to go to Lambeau the next day, although I'm telling you, I was so bummed 
by the loss. You guys were up 17-3 to in that game. I'll never forget that one, Connor. You guys were yeah. up 17-3 to in the first half. If you win, you would have won the Big Ten West. Right, right. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, I mean, I remember both of the losses, but I remember that one where we were going into score and um, I think make it potentially, potentially a three-score game right before half. Um, and Tommy Olsen got a kind of iffy hands to the face penalty that got us down to first and goal, and then that set us back. I think we missed a field goal, um, so it took potentially seven off the board, and um, then I just remember Melvin Gordon just went absolutely nuts the second half and um, took that game over. How big do you think this win is? I mean, this is a down Wisconsin team, but just the fact that the yep. Gophers finally have the axe back after so many years. I mean, big picture. You know, I've been asked that a lot. I mean, can right. this win, you know, whether it carries momentum into the bowl game weeks from now or in the next year right. or for years to come, I mean, how big do you think this win is? It's huge, obviously, and there's, I think there's a few different ways you can look at it. Um, I think it's huge um, for just the national perspective of the program. Um, you know, Fleck and the whole staff left yesterday or Sunday to go and recruit. Mm-hmm. They couldn't have a better pitch right now to guys that are thinking about coming here. Um, you know, with all this momentum that this win brings. Um, but what I think it does is I think it just shows uh, the state of Minnesota and the fans that there's an expectation that that's how the team's going to play. And, um, you know, it was a down Wisconsin team, but they didn't beat a down Wisconsin team on a game winning field goal. They beat them by 22. Um, you know, so. I think that it, it really sets up and it, hopefully they get a, a good opponent in the bowl game and put together a good game there to go into the offseason strong. But I think it sets up um, just for an exciting offseason and for some good buzz. And it, it's, you know, it's going to put expectations on the team and the program. But um, I think they're at a place and with the guys that they'll have coming back next year that they'll be ready for those expectations. And, um you know, it's going to be a lot of pressure, but I think they can handle it, and I think it just puts a little bit bigger spotlight um, on the team as a whole. Connor, you certainly still have plenty of friends on the team. Is there a certain bowl game that you're rooting for for them to go to? And, heck, is it just yeah. about anything but Detroit? That's, you know, that's I was actually just reading an article a couple hours ago. Um, I think it showed New York, Detroit, and Santa Clara, and I thought, just do not go to Detroit. Um <laughs> Nothing against the city of Detroit, but that was uh, not a necessarily enjoyable Christmas spent um, at a bowl game when we were there. But I mean, any bowl game for them is huge. Um, you know, I have I'm good friends with uh, James Anwalu, a local kid that went and played at Notre Dame and is playing in the NFL right now, and mm-hmm. uh, they went to the Pinstripe Bowl when he was at Notre Dame and uh, said it was a blast being in New York around Christmas time. So. Um, whether it's there, whether it's out in uh, the Bay Area in California, they're going to have fun. And um, most importantly, it gives them 15 more practices and another game for all these young kids to go and play and learn and uh, just get better. I mean, I suppose the one appeal to Detroit could potentially be Western Michigan, right? I mean, P.J. Fleck against yeah, his yeah. old school, just yeah, from, a, from a storyline standpoint, I mean, that absolutely. would be appealing. But, yeah, I would imagine if you're a player – Going to Detroit for a bowl game just can't be all that appealing. No, I mean, I mean any it, it it all it 
it depends on how you look at it. You know, I mean, if there's guys on the team that are going to be solely worried about where they're going and then there's other guys, you know, a lot of those seniors are just going to be excited to play one more game. Um, and they don't care whether that's Detroit, whether that's in Jerry world down in Dallas or whether that's in uh, the parking lot outside, you know, they just want one more chance and there's guys that are not going to get a chance, but one more game of film for NFL scouts and, um, I know the staff and Coach Fleck will make it very, very clear what this game means for the team and um, what they're looking to get out of the game aside from a bowl win. Give us a little bit of analysis about quarterback Tanner Morgan, somebody you worked closely with last year. Yeah, um, I've been really impressed with him. Um, I mean, I was impressed with him. Seeing how he performed as an early enrollee um, compared to other guys, that enrolled early while I was uh, a part of the program. And um, you could tell that he was incredibly smart. You know, he needed to put some weight on and he needed to just get accustomed to the speed of everything, but he knew where to go with the ball almost immediately after taking a couple months to learn the offense. And, um, you know, I think what I've noticed most between not to compare him and Zach necessarily, I know Zach dealt with a lot of injuries and, I think he had an ankle neg in him for quite a while, but um, in that Nebraska game and kind of the rest of the year, it looked like Tanner just gave him a little bit of mobility. You know, he was able to extend plays a little bit, run for five or six yards a few times a game to extend a play. Um, and that's just when you're able to do that from that position, it just extends drives. It gives you a couple extra chances. And um, aside from him just being smart with the ball and, you know, I think he's proven that he can make every throw he needs to make. Um, he's young and he's going to make mistakes, and he's made plenty of mistakes over this last half of the season, essentially. But, um, you know, I think he's done well, and I think he's shown all the fans, and most importantly, he's shown the coaches what he can do when he's given an opportunity. Connor, on those mistakes, though, I mean, he doesn't dwell on those mistakes, does he? I mean, there's right. there's a certain mental toughness there, just from the standpoint of, I mean, he had to have thought, you know, August, you know, coming off spring ball, you know, Vic Veramontis leaves. He had to be thinking, I'm going to win the starting job. I am going to start that yeah. season opener against New Mexico State. Lo and behold, he doesn't win the job. Now, Zach Anikstead performed well in the spring game, but I'm still thinking, at least from Tanner's point of view, hey, I've been here longer. You know, I'm going to start that first game. He doesn't, but behind the scenes, there was no... There was no bitterness. I mean, I certainly didn't hear of any, and I hear a lot of stuff. I didn't hear anything. I mean, he handled that yeah. very, very well. So to me, and you can speak better to this than <laughs> I can, but from my point of view, it seems like he is mentally strong. He is very mentally tough. And, um, you know, I actually I got breakfast with him maybe a week before camp started just to see how he's doing um you know he's kind of like a little brother to me I've got two younger sisters so I never had that opportunity but um I you know I spoke with him and he knew it was going to be a tough competition but you know I do think he figured that if he went and performed that it was his job to lose going into camp and um from talking to him since and um, I think the consensus was that he was trying too hard to win the job versus just going and performing and getting ready to play a game. Because in the end, that's what you're doing. Whether it's, um, you know, whether you're winning a job or whether you're trying to get ready, one of you is going to be the starter and one of you is going to be the backup. So 
I think um, him being able to do that and getting over that uh, hump of not dwelling on it set him up for success. And he realized uh, quickly, I think, why he lost the job and what he needed to do um, as the backup and what he needed to prove in practice. And um, it sounds like he was able to do that. And I think it shows in his performance. Speaking of success, I mean, how much does it help to have the wide receivers that he does. Yeah. I'm thinking back to, to you guys at the end of last year. You know, Tyler Johnson is out with the injury. I mean, with all due respect to those guys, I mean, those final two games, the Wisconsin game, the Northwestern game, I mean, seriously, I think my seven-year-old could have been out there and competed. You know, right. I mean, you guys you guys just didn't have any wide receivers, and now you think about a guy like Demetrius Douglas, uber-talented, he's the number four receiver. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. Um, I actually texted with, uh, Coach Sirocco, but I think after the Indiana game, um, you know, and just chit-chatting about the game, about how Tanner played, and I just let him know, I was like, that receiver room is special, and if they keep working the way that I know you guys are working them, they've really got a shot to to be really good. You know, I think Tyler's shown that I, I think he's the best wide receiver in the Big Ten, and, um, you know, I think Bateman has a chance to be that guy for a long time, and I think Chris Oppen, Bell, and Demetrius are both really showing what they can do. Um, I think Chris is a really strong uh, kid, and he just competes his butt off. And I think Demetrius showed, especially with that big punt return, is he's electric and is uh, a freak athlete. And with those four, you know, Tyler's got one more season, and um, I think they've got a chance to be the best. You know, I guess quadruple sum of receivers in the Big Ten next year, and they should really be able to put up numbers because that's how they're that's how the offense is designed. When you look at their numbers from Western Michigan, they had three guys catching fifty plus balls, and that's when that uh, offense that they run is able to operate at full capacity. Is when you've got three or four guys that you can put at any position and you know they're going to run the routes right and they're going to catch the ball and make plays. On Tyler, I mean, I'm sure he'll solicit advice from the draft advisory board. I mean, it doesn't hurt. Now, they only give right. feedback on, you know, first-round grade, second-round grade, or other. So I don't know if he'll get a second-round grade or other, but it's a weak wide receiver draft. I mean, if I'm Tyler, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, he's right up there. If he's not the best receiver in the Big Ten, he's among the best. I just – my personal opinion, Connor, is – he should look at going pro. I think he's ready, even though he still has a ways to go. You think about him at Minneapolis North, yeah. you know, quarterback, defensive back. I mean, he was a great basketball mm-hmm. player. So it's not like he spent a lot of time playing wide receiver. He did play some, though, in the summer, just going through some routes with, with you know, his personal trainer and what have you. It's not like he had never right. played wide receiver when he stepped on campus. But it was it was pretty foreign to him. But just in three years, I mean, think about how far along he has come. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he, he will absolutely – um, seek out an opinion on it. Um, I know the coaching staff there will give them, um, you know, they'll give him what they think would be best for him, but they, they'll support him no matter what he chooses to do and help him, you know, as much as possible. And, um, you know, I, I do think he could go and play. Um, I see, you know, each side of the argument. I think it could be incredibly beneficial um, for him to come back for his senior season. I think he can get a little bit bigger with his upper, upper body strength. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got a solid foundation down low, and you can tell by his ability to jump. Um, I mean, he just jumps out of the gym. It's ridiculous. But 
Um, I think he can get a little stronger up top, but um, I just, you know, I truly think he's got a chance to come back next year and put up 1,400, 1,500 yards. And, you know, I don't know what his grade will be and when he would necessarily have a chance to go this year. And I haven't looked at what the draft class for wideouts would be next year, but, you know, he's got potential, I think, and has the ability to get into that first round um, potential if he comes back and has a huge senior year. But um, it would definitely be hard to say no to money, you know, if he gets a good grade and, you know, if he believes what people are telling him. And most importantly, if he believes in himself, which I know he does. And um, I know he'll, he'll make the right decision for himself and what he thinks is best, which is most important. Let's go on the idea that he is back next year. I mean, overall, I mean, how excited are you to see where this thing goes with P.J. Fleck, with Kirk Scirocco? Yeah. You know, the program as a whole, years three, four, and five under P.J.'s leadership. I'm really excited. You know, I, I felt that way coming into the year. Um, it, you know, I hurt really bad for Rodney when he went down. and um, I mean, Shannon went down early in the spring, and, I didn't even think he'd be able to come back, and it was really impressive how he played in his three quarters, essentially, of a season. But, um, you know, we'll see if Rodney's able to come back. And, you know, they've got a crazy-looking offense if um, the QB, whoever ends up playing next year, plays and grows on what they've done this year. And they have Rodney, Shannon, and Muhammad at running back, and then you've got those four at wide receiver, and, um, you know, it's going to hurt losing Jared and Donnell, but I know they've got young guys that will be ready to play on the O-line, and you look at guys like Connor Olson and Foley and um I'm trying to think of who the other uh, – Blaze, Andrews, um, all coming back. I think those three are all potential all-Big Ten players at some point in their career. Um, it's it's going to be exciting, and, you know, hopefully they're, they're able to stay healthy and um, – I think you'll you'll see what Coach Fleck and Coach Soraka imagined their offense looking like when they took the job, and you'll see the the numbers that they're putting up at Western Michigan. Tell us a little bit more about Green and Weiler. How much they will miss those guys—the starting center, the starting yeah. left tackle. Uh, they're really going to miss them. You know, Jared, somebody that I got to know really well. You know, spending four years with him and. Um, just an outstanding kid and he's smarter than crap and uh, he really leads that group and makes sure they're always in the right place and going uh, the right direction with their calls and uh, you know he's really been the anchor and he kind of came out of nowhere when I think it was what would have been his redshirt sophomore year he kind of got a chance to play and we always knew he's a good player he's a little undersized but when he got his chance he just ran with it and has been a stud since and um, Donnell is somebody that's grown more over the last two years, I think, than anybody else in that program. Um, he came in that what would have been his redshirt sophomore year from junior college, and um, you know, just he was a little immature, and you know, he ended up I think that season getting a chance to play, and has started ever since. And um, I think he's he's realized what his potential is, and that the ability I think he can go and play in the league and have a long career and when you look at his body type and how athletic he is he's just exactly what you're looking for at that position um, in the NFL and you know he's become a really really mature person and 
um, you know, has realized his talent and realized that he can be a leader and um, he's really helped that offense and those young guys on the offensive line, him and Jared both. I know you're certainly active on Twitter, at least in terms of checking tweets. I mean, you're active in yeah. other forms of social media. I mean, you've heard the criticism that P.J. Fleck has received. How do you respond yeah. to those that have gone after P.J.? Um, I mean, you, you don't respond. But as far as what I you know, think of those negative people um yeah i understand that when when coaches get hired they are hired to win football games and um all that and then the end of the day you're either going to win football games or not but what i'll say about coach fleck and his whole staff that whatever amount of money he makes um it's worth paying him that for what he teaches all those players and what he does for them you know i I truly feel that my relationship with him now is stronger than it was when I was playing for him. And that's because now there's no, um, there's no football in between our relationship. We're essentially just good friends now. And, um, you know, I saw him on the field afterwards and, uh, you know, it's all I could say, I just told him, thank you. I was like, it's not thank you for winning this game. It's thank you for just what you're doing for my alma mater and what you're doing for these kids and the state and I know a lot of people don't recognize that but there are a lot of people that do and um, you know I think people just got to trust in it and he is different and the culture is different the program is different than what it has been but um, you know the people that need to care care and the people that need to know what he's doing know what he's doing and that's everybody inside those walls and at the end of the day it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks and um, the people inside those walls believe that what's happening is going in the right direction and that he's bettering their lives in every aspect of their lives. On the football portion, though, Connor, of your relationship with P.J., did he in many ways save your collegiate career? Was Tracy Clays ready to move on, Connor, and uh, when P.J. took over, everything changed? Uh, yeah, he did. You know, I, I found out kind of how it went down was I – you know, I won the backup job and then I made a start and we won at Maryland. And, um, I had, I felt that I had done enough to earn, you know, the right, at least to come back. And if I had started the next year, I started the next year, but at worst case, we had somebody that had played a little bit and had a little bit of experience, mm-hmm. um, to be in that QB room. And I went and spoke with coach Clay's, um, because I had to, apply to grad school because I was uh, graduating that December for my undergrad and I had to pay, I think a hundred bucks out of my own pocket to apply to grad school. Because even if you're on scholarship, the school doesn't cover that application fee for you. Mm-hmm. So I went and met with him and I was just like, I'm just making sure that I'm going to come back. You know, I got to do this application. And he was like, well, we're actually going to go a different way. And um, that's kind of how that all went down. And, um, you know, they, they had their decision made for their reason and I respect it. And, you know, coach Clay's is the one that gave me a scholarship, um, from being a walk on in the first place. And I'll always, you know, cherish him for doing that for me and being that kind of first guy to, you know, see my worth. But, um, you know, I, I looked at some opportunities to go and play a fifth year somewhere else, but I, I honestly don't think I would have. Um, I didn't want to go down a level 
just because I felt that I proved to myself that I belonged to play in the Big Ten and um, thought I, if I was going to continue to do it, I was going to do it at that level, and it's just difficult, um, you know, having one game of experience, essentially, to have on your resume. And luckily enough, Coach Fleck was hired, and him and Coach Sherrills gave me a call, I think, the day after his opening press conference, and um really grateful that I had that opportunity to spend that time with him. What does row the boat mean to you, Connor? Um, I think it's just a, it's a mantra for life and it's, it's just not giving up. You know, you're going to have a lot of crap happen in your life and um, that can be in football. That can be the loss of a family member. It, it can really be in any area of your life. And the biggest point of row the boat is just to keep your oar in the water. Like coach always says, and um you know, just you got to move on and you got to learn from those negative parts of your life and turn them into positives. And um, I think you can see slowly but surely the whole state, you know, taking after that and believing in it. And the more wins we get like this Wisconsin one, the more people will be uh, trying to hop in that boat. But I think it's getting pretty full here. I would agree. I mean, that was a nice crowd at about midnight on Saturday. At the football oh, yeah. facility, and yeah, I mean, there is there is definitely a buzz. I mean, I dropped off my kids at school this morning. I had a few people come up to me and just want to talk about that game. Not necessarily the Vikings. Normally it's Vikings, right. or for a while it was Jimmy Butler. This was like the first yeah. time I can remember in a while where somebody actually brought up the Gopher football team to me. So yeah, right. you know, slowly but surely... There are more people yeah. paying attention. So, yeah, that is that is certainly a good thing. Connor, this was a fun chat. If your schedule allows, let's do it after the bowl game again. This was fantastic. Absolutely, yeah. Just let me know. I'm always, I'm always here and love to talk sports. I'll give you a biased Vikings opinion if you ever need it. Uh, <laughs> talk to Gophers and uh, definitely just let me know. Fun conversation with former Gophers quarterback Connor Rhoda. We'll definitely have him back on the podcast after the Gophers Bowl game. On P.J. Fleck, he was in Vegas on Monday, Texas on Tuesday for recruiting. A number of their verbal commitments will be on campus for official visits on December 8th. December 8th is a big recruiting weekend as we approach the later December signing date. The Gophers feeling very confident about putting together a very solid 2019 recruiting class. Which, by the way, includes Jason Williamson of Owatonna, the best running back in the state. He had another highlight real touchdown in the prep bowl. Owatonna beat St. Thomas Academy on Saturday. ESPN, in fact, reached out to us. I was anchoring on Channel 5. They reached out to us, to my producer, James Monocle, and James was nice enough to get ESPN the Williamson touchdown, the long 71-yard touchdown run, and it made SportsCenter on Saturday night. So, yeah, the Gophers feeling very good about the recruiting class overall, but certainly about a guy like Jason Williamson, who was among the first commitments. It was him and Cole Kramer of Eden Prairie. Eden Prairie lost to Lakeville North. Bryce Benhart and Lakeville North. He was one of the guys in the state that said no to the Gophers. Bryce Benhart, an offensive lineman, going to Nebraska. On the Gophers men's basketball front, Amir Coffey is okay. Suffered a left leg injury in the loss on Monday to Boston College. A source close to Amir tells me he is fine. He will be back on Friday when the Gophers play at U.S. Bank Stadium against Oklahoma State. The word is ticket sales have been lacking lacking in a very, very troubling way. But who knows? Maybe they'll have a decent walk-up on Friday night. Tickets, put it this way, tickets are very affordable. So if you are looking for a reason to go to U.S. Bank Stadium, should be an interesting atmosphere. 
I'm telling you, tickets are readily available and you can afford said tickets. So the Gophers get Oklahoma State on Friday. They get Ohio State on Sunday. Then early next week, Nebraska. Is there a chance that Eric Curry is back for any of those games? No on Friday coming back from the knee injury. I would say Sunday and early next week against Nebraska. More unlikely than likely, but it doesn't sound like he's been completely ruled out. But I think more realistically, Curry is back come a little bit later in December than certainly by the end of December when the meat of the Big Ten schedule kicks in. I'm told these NBA teams had scouts at Monday's game at Boston College, keeping an eye on the likes of, well, both teams, but the likes on the Gophers, Daniel Oturu, Amir Coffey, and Jordan Murphy. It was the Thunder, Clippers, Wizards, and Celtics. On the 2019 recruiting front, good news that Trey Williams Their lone signee so far was elevated by 24-7 to a four-star. So Richard Pitino, year in and year out, gets at least one four-star. But he certainly has swung and missed on a number of guys he wanted for his 2019 recruiting class. Now, hey, there is still the signing period in the spring. So let's wait and see what takes place. Is there a chance they could get Matthew Hurt of Rochester John Marshall, one of the five best players in the country, In the class of 2019, a future NBA player, he certainly spends a lot of time around the program because his older brother Michael is on the team. I'll continue to say that the Gophers are a long shot, but I'll also continue to say that there is appeal to playing with Michael. Michael Hurt has one more year of eligibility, so Matthew has thought about that, playing with Michael next year. Matthew, by the way taking official visits starting this weekend to Kentucky. He'll visit Duke. He'll visit North Carolina. He'll visit Kansas. Memphis is also still in the mix for Matthew Hurt. A guy locally that Richard Pitino wanted badly, a player who said no, though, is Zeke Najee of Hopkins. I was over at Hopkins High School on Friday afternoon, Black Friday, when Zeke Najee announced he'll be attending the University of Arizona. I talked to Zeke after he made... The announcement official. Zeke, let's just start simply with, why Arizona? Uh, I just thought that out of all the places that were recruiting me, it checked off the most boxes. Uh, recruiting classes really strong. They got Josh Green, Nico Mann, Christian Coloco, Terry Armstrong, all committed there, and they're great players. And uh, I think if I could go there, we have a great shot to win a championship. And uh, also, I'm looking forward to studying finance in college, so I can go to the business school right away. And, yeah. What were some of the other boxes that were checked off? Uh, I trust the coaching staff well. They're all recruiting me really hard. Um, I also think that the strength coach there is really well. It's really good. Um, the fan base there is crazy. You know, they're, they almost sold out every game. So, yeah. How many times did you visit? Was it once to Tucson just a few weeks ago? No, I took uh, unofficial in the summer, like August, and I went there back there for official for the red and blue game. So, I mean, you had a really good sense of everything that Arizona has to offer. Yeah, correct. And everything just, I mean, shining colors, right? I mean, just it passed everything. I mean, was it not even close compared to the other schools? No, no, it, it was close. I mean, those other schools were also great schools, but I just felt like I had the, I got a gut feeling that just told me to go there and checked off a lot of the boxes on our checklist. And, yeah, I mean, it just came down to that, and, yeah, we went there. Sean Miller's offense, how does it fit your skill set? Well, I think it's good. I think he has a lot of success with guys in my position. Um I think he showed me some videos of guys that he that uh, played my position, and I liked how he used them. I liked how they were free-flowing, and I think that I can thrive there. 
Who were some of those guys? I mean, because you play multiple positions. I mean, was it like an Alonzo Trier? Was it some other guys? No, it was, um, uh, what's his name? Guy in Chicago Bulls, um, Markinen, Lowry Markinen, um, uh, what? Williams, who was drafted second overall. Uh, Derek Williams. Yeah, Derek Williams. Yeah, was a Timberwolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he envisioned you as kind of a hybrid, what, 3-4, yeah. but kind of a stretch 4? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, I, that's my goal because he's going to be pushing me in a lot of other aspects, but I think that overall, if I go there, it'll push me in the right direction and that'll help me become the best I can be. You mentioned briefly the recruiting class. I mean, as far as I can tell, it's the number one recruiting class yeah. in the country. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just think that if we go there that – we can have such a great shot. You know, we're going to be young, but, you know, we're going to come and work hard. And I think that if we all play together well and we work hard, that we can win a championship. I'm sure you, your dad, your family had some tough questions for Sean Miller. Did he answer all the questions the way you wanted him to answer in terms of some of the stuff that Arizona's been in the news for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were uh, very careful about that. Uh, didn't want to go anywhere and be sanctioned or not be able to go into March Madness or whatever. But, you know, we asked all the questions and we feel very comfortable with Arizona. You know, they've... They've gone through everything and feel comfortable. Who was, I mean, I don't want to say who was number two, but here's another way to say it. Who was the toughest school to say no to? I don't know. I mean, they're, they're all such great schools, and I, I mean, I put them in my final five because I really, truly believe that I could go there and thrive at any of those schools. I mean, there wasn't one that I was favoring more than another except for Arizona. I mean, it just checked off most of the boxes. I mean, a lot of other schools were great, but it just came down to Arizona. How much is today a dream come true? You know, it's great to finally... Uh, be relieved of all the pressure and everything, just get it out of the way. Now I can focus on high school season. Then when I'm done with that, focus on uh, going to college and getting ready for that. I mean, tell us a little more about that. I mean, yeah, a sense of accomplishment, but, yeah, a sense of relief. I mean, all the visits you took. I mean, every time I'm checking your Twitter feed, you're, you're on the road somewhere. I mean, is there a sense of relief that the process is now over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not over. I mean, I'm still communicating with the coaches and everything, but I think it's good to – to finally have a little, uh, just cut some slack a little bit, you know, not all these coaches coming at me from left and right. I mean, it feels good because, you know, I worked hard for this for as long as I can remember, and now I'm finally there. I'm getting there, so it feels good. How good can you guys be here at Hopkins while I have you this year? I mean, last year didn't end the way you guys wanted it to end. Can it end the way this year that you guys want it to end? Definitely. I think I think we're a lot better this year. I think, you know, we're more of a team. We're working harder together. We're pushing pushing each other in practice, and I think that if we continue to work hard, that we have no doubt that we can win the championship. I'll leave you with this because Gophers fans will get on me if I don't ask you. You eliminated them weeks ago, so they weren't even in the Final Five. But why and, and you know, was it tough to eliminate the Gophers? I mean, it was. I mean, they're my hometown school, and it meant a lot for them to offer me and everything and be able to play in front of my parents and all that stuff. But I guess at the end of the day, you know, I just couldn't see myself really fitting there as well as some of the other schools that were recruiting me. One of the top 30 players in the country in the class of 2019 from Hopkins High School, Arizona commitment, Zeke Naji. MyBookie, MyBookie.com, sponsors the Scoop Podcast. You know, guys, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Sometimes I have the answer, sometimes I don't. Usually it's, hey, do the Vikings win this weekend? Hey, do the Vikings cover? Hey, fantasy football advice, fantasy basketball advice. The truth is, I don't know who the heck is going to win most of the time. I'm like at 50%, 55%. I don't have really any idea, though. I mean, heck, I account for one team. Oftentimes, I can't account for both teams. I may have inside information on one team, but I may not have inside information on the opposition. But hey, maybe you feel like you've got a game bookmarked. You know what the heck is going to happen. 
So make a bet. Go to MyBookie, MyBookie.com. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you are betting with. That's why I'm telling you, go to MyBookie. Go to Google. Just check out the reviews for MyBookie. They've been in business for years. Their mobile site is easy to use. And how about this offer? MyBookie is slammed with new bettors. That's a good thing. They've been slammed since the start of the football season. They want to give everyone the best service possible. So if you're willing to deposit after 6 p.m. Central Time, they will give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Also, join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code SCOOP. Promo code SCOOP for those fantastic offers. You play, you win, you get paid. It is MyBookie mybookie.com I think what I'll do for sake of some back and forth I was on with Judd Zolgad on Tuesday 315 1500 ESPN 1500 ESPN.com I will replay that segment because it is called The Scoop and coming out of that segment I'll do a little bit of follow up on some other notes I have plus some stuff that was discussed with Judd so here's my back and forth with Judd we got into some Gophers football Gophers hoops the Wolves, and I believe, if I remember correctly, I got a quick Vikings note in as well. And then I'll have some follow-up after the back and forth with Judd from Tuesday afternoon. Here is my conversation with Judd Zolgad. Our 1500 ESPN Twitter poll that you can go to and vote on right now is what grade do you give Tibbs for benching Andrew Wiggins in the fourth quarter last night? Do you give him an A+, plus, an A, or an A-? minus? And those are your only three options. 63% right now... Doogie saying A+, plus, 21% saying an A, 16% saying A-. minus. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, Hello, Judd. Hi, t- Manny. Time for, Hello, you, time for you to scoop us, and I want you to start there. Andrew Wiggins, what, from your understanding, is the feeling around this league, and uh, specifically if there is one that you picked up on from Target Center, about this young man who is, I'll remind you again, in the first year of a five-year, $148 million max contract. I'll also remind you that he is, indeed, a young man. And there is a belief from some league people that I have texted with that once he plays for his next coach, which eventually will happen, will it happen as soon as mid-January, next October, but at some point, relatively soon. Maybe it's two years from now, who knows. But at some point... Andrew Wiggins will play for another coach. It is the belief of a couple league folks that I know that they feel like Andrew will, maybe he never lives up to expectations, but that he can be a good player under a different coach. And just look back at his success under Sam Mitchell or Flip Saunders, that he will never succeed. He will never sustain success. He'll pop. He'll have a good game here, a good game there but he'll never sustain success under Tom Thibodeau. So, all right, let's go down that path then. Because the investment in the player is made. Unless you are planning to or know that you can trade said player, it's in your best interest to find someone who can have the most success possible with your highest paid players. What would be, as we sit here now, Post Jimmy Butler trade, in which time the Wolves went what four and nine and thirteen games and are six and two since. What would be the timetable potentially for some type of change to be made, where Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, and the whole collection might have a new coach? Well, I mean, this is Tibbs's last stand. To their credit, this eight game sample size, to me, relatively small. 
But nonetheless, they have played well, very well. Especially what on are defense. they? Yeah, top two, top three defensive rating, Manny. I think top. Uh, well, Jonathan, you had the numbers right. I think it was top four in defensive rating. Yeah, since I mean they've the, been great. The yeah, top four since the trade. Now it helps to play the Bulls, the Cavs, the Nets, but they also lost to those teams. Some of those bad teams. The Cavs obviously weren't bad last year, but. You look at their record on the road last year against the bottom of the Eastern oh, Conference. It was, awful. Mm-hmm. it was horrendous. So that's progress. They were thirteen and seventeen overall against the Eastern Conference yeah. last year. Don't so duck, the, at Brooklyn don't duck the question. When does Tibbs get fired? Well, I need to find out the exact date, but at some point soon after the first of the year, season ticket renewal forms go out. Mm. I can just tell you, it. Now, there's no guarantee, right, that people all of a sudden would show up or renew or come back. Maybe they don't initially renew, but then come back if a change is made. But I can just tell you, there are people on the business slash marketing side wondering about that. They see that there's still all sorts of vitriol among the fan base. Heck, Jed, I was there on Wednesday night for the Denver game. Mm -hmm. I have been, it's pretty much a tradition, the Wolves request the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving as a home date. So they've gotten that home date for many years. So I bet this was maybe my fifth, sixth, seventh time at a Wolves game the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. A little bit of a mini family tradition. This was by far the most empty that that arena has been. Mm. That being said, we were in section 126 row S. That being said, there were still about 10 people in my vicinity shouting boo, boo, boo when Tibbs' name was announced right before tip. There is still a lot of hatred, bitterness. Now, again, I'm telling you, there's no guarantee that if you fire Tibbs and you bring in Chauncey Billups to run the front office and allow Chauncey to hire his next coach, there's no guarantee that people all of a sudden will is show up. Is that your guess? Are, are you saying his name because you've heard something? Or are you saying his name? Well, I would say this much. There is interest. Okay. Now, is From it reciprocated? Yeah, I was there's say interest in Chauncey. That side, as Chauncey a, as a running coach? the Wolves. Okay, as a, oh no, as executive. An executive. Okay. Yeah, he wants to. He wants to run a front office. He turned down the Cavs. Yeah, he Cavs kind of lowballed them too, didn't they? They did, yeah. but it wasn't all about the money. There was there was more to it than that. Chauncey and Glenn still have a relationship. I think Glenn realizes that at some point he needs to go back to more the traditional model. Have somebody who solely runs the front office. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. And let somebody focus solely on coaching. So. To me, that would make some logical sense to bring in Chauncey at some point, then allow Chauncey. So we can talk all we want about Monty Williams. That would be my guy. Mm-hmm. Or Fred Hoiberg gets fired in Chicago. We know that Glenn and Fred have a good relationship. I still think Fred's a pretty good basketball mind. Or we could talk about Jerry Stackhouse or any number of I like worthy assistants. Yeah, I mean, my buddy J.B. Bickerstaff, who's coaching Memphis, thinks the world of Jerry. Mm-hmm. Jerry's got a really bright future as a head coach. you know. But we can speculate all we want about all these names. To me, you bring in a president of operations, whether it's Chauncey or somebody else, then allow that person to hire his next head coach. What is the league-wide view of Ryan Saunders? Ryan is really young, right? He's 31, 32? Yes, he is 32. But what's the league-wide perception of him. I think that eventually he'll get a shot, but to suggest that Ryan Saunders is ready right now to lead a team is a stretch. Is a stretch. Okay. And that's not necessarily league. I'll just tell you this much, Manny. That's from people that have worked with him over the last couple of years. And I mm-hmm. like Ryan. 
Well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's not an indictment. And I'm telling you, it's not, not an indictment on Ryan. Not at all. He can be he's a head a coach guy. when he's 40, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, the he's, amount he's of fans. He's got a lot of time. Yeah, just the amount of fans that reach out to me on social media saying, hire Ryan Saunders. But just because they can't stand Tom. Exactly. And that's why. they loved Flip. Right. And so they love the idea that Ryan is Flip's son. I'm just telling you, Ryan eventually will be. Heck, write that down. It may not come to fruition until 2028. Hold on, I'm going to write that write down for that Friday down. Right now. I'm going to steal that from you. Ryan Saunders will eventually be a head coach. But to think that Ryan Saunders is ready to be the Wolves head coach next year, to me, is an enormous stretch. Put it that way. We'll leave it at that. Gopher Hoopsters fall to 5-1 and one last night. They lose to Boston College the way they lost, though. Was yes. uh, about as ugly as you can get. I've got it uh, here from the Star Tribune. Story. Well, you look at 20, that. 29% from the field, 23.5% from the field in the second half. Well, and that's the recipe that teams will adopt here the rest of the way, whether it's Oklahoma Zone. State Friday, Zone, yeah. Ohio State Sunday, Nebraska early next week. They will play a good amount of zone because it just wasn't last night. I mean, even going back to the Texas A&M game, the Washington game, we're not seeing a team that has shot the ball incredibly well. Now, eventually they'll get back Eric Curry. Although I'm told more doubtful than likely that he plays in any of these next three games. So you think about these next three games, OK State, Nebraska, Ohio State. They start that Big Ten stretch, and then they go back. There's a little bit of a break in December for finals. But they have some layups, you know, some cupcakes. And then you start conference play again, what, late December. Mm-hmm. I think it's more likely that Curry is back you know, sometime mid-December than late December than these key three games coming up. But when he is back, his passing ability, I think, will help. So they clearly miss Eric Curry, but it is not a good shooting team. But Gabe Kausher can make threes. I mean, he can shoot. And I still think, whether it's Dupree, Amir, Brock Stahl, he's still not in great shape, but maybe Brock Stahl by February is in better shape. The Wisconsin-Milwaukee transfer. I mean, I do think those guys can make shots. So I don't think last night is a complete disaster. But texting with some people close to the program, I do know that they are troubled by not just losing at Boston College. I mean, there was some fatigue. I mean, you're out on the West Coast in Vancouver. You're back for a few days, and all of a sudden you go east. You know, that might have been a factor, but it was how they lost. So, yes, very, very troubling missing 25 threes. Back to the Wolves. Leftover notes. There are still teams monitoring Anthony Tolliver's situation. I mean, he's rotting on the bench what, here. What situation is that? Well, yeah. yeah, exactly. What would you call not playing ever? I mean, he should play. I think he should. Now, Okogie should play two, and if you're only going to go with 10, not 11, yes, give me Josh over Anthony. But I do think Tolliver is worthy of some minutes. There are teams like Dallas, the Clippers, others monitoring the situation. And on Bradley Beal. I'm led to believe that Washington, unless they're blown away, I mean, you never say never. It's not like he's, you know, it's not like he's the Greek freak. You know, it's not like he's in that top tier of guys that are completely untouchable. Mm -hmm. But I'm led to believe that unless Washington is blown away, they are not moving Bradley Beal. But I can tell you the local guys are huge fans of Bradley Beal. Well, the Wizards need to move John Wall, but that contract is going to be almost impossible to move because he's he's going to be making 40 plus million dollars a year and he's already showing signs of breaking down and you wonder about the locker room attitude of said John Wall as well. Yes, would agree on that. So yeah, I mean Washington wants to build around Beal 
not Wall. So, I mean, unless you're willing to give up Carl Anthony Towns, not happening. Nope. But unless you're willing to give up Cat, there isn't a logical match. There's not a match. So while the Wolves think the world of Beal, yep. there has been dialogue between the Wolves and the Wizards going back a number of weeks, going back to the Jimmy Butler talks, when the Wizards were willing to do Otto Porter for Butler, and the Wolves said no. Mm-hmm. I don't blame the Wolves for saying no with that offer, but there was dialogue back then. The Wolves let Washington know, hey, if you ever want to do anything with Beal, just keep us in the loop. Just remember that we think the world of yeah, him. Just give us a call. But they're just, I'm telling you, there just isn't a logical match between the Wolves could, and the Wizards. Could you imagine putting Jimmy Butler into that locker room in Washington? Oh, it would the way it's the way fantastic. that locker room is going right now, that yeah. would be. It would have been great fun. That would be that would be theatrical, to uh, say the least. What, one more thing on the Gophers from last night. How yeah. was Amir Coffey's ankle? Because he turned it, went back yeah, he's in, okay. but that was late in the game. Yep, he'll be okay. okay. Yep, yep. Told it he'll play on Friday against Oklahoma right. State. Twins scoops. Uh, they, they pick up what CJ Kronoff uh, waivers yesterday. Where do things stand as we see more and more names being floated, both uh, in trade talks and potential free agency moves? Where do the Twins stand uh, right now as far as potential pursuits? Well, still looking for a second baseman. You know, it looked like that some of the national media folks have picked up on the DJ LeMayhu steam. Yeah, so that, that we talked about initially either a week or two ago. So yep. the Twins definitely have LeMahieu on their radar. I'll just say this much. I don't have a specific name for you, but my sense, I don't say this lightly, is that the Twins make a move, a trade Are you thinking for a starting pitcher. Okay. I don't know my who sense, it is. My sense has been bullpen help is on the way somewhere, but I don't know if oh, that's well, going yeah. to blow people away. Yeah, bullpen help is on the way, too. I mean, maybe they end up making a trade and get back two guys. You know, starter and a reliever. Starting pitcher. Yeah, I mean, they'll absolutely acquire at least one reliever, but I think more people are concerned about the rotation. Mm-hmm. And can they come up with, you know, whether it's a one or a two. Are you thinking a name that would excite people, or yeah, are you I think thinking it would a name that's going to Yeah, people? well, I mean, they had some interest in Paxton before the Mariners moved him to the Yankees. Okay. I mean, would a name like that excite you? That was a good portion of my appearance Tuesday afternoon on 1500 ESPN with Judd Zolgad. I still don't think the Wizards are moving Bradley Beal. Maybe they're blown away. Maybe I'm surprised. I don't think they are actively looking to move Beal. I know there was a Chris Sheridan report that he's asked out. Even if he has, I haven't heard that myself. But if he has, I still don't think the Wizards are tempted to move him immediately. I just know that the Wolves definitely have a healthy opinion. They should. He's a heck of a player. Have a healthy opinion of Bradley Beal. Brian Paugo, Wolves Director of Personnel, was set to be in Durham, North Carolina on Tuesday night for Duke, Indiana. Duke, Indiana, the combination has at least four, if not more, lottery picks next June. Paga was also at the Maui Invitational, and he was at the Las Vegas Classic, which had North Carolina, Michigan State, and Texas. The Wolves have been active. They certainly have a good scouting department. They had guys at the Vancouver Showcase watching the Gophers, Washington, Texas A&M, and others. They had a scout in the Cayman Islands. For the Cayman Islands Classic, that featured Clemson, Creighton, and others. They also had a representation in Charleston for the Charleston Classic with Purdue, Virginia Tech, and others. I have the Twins Hall of Fame ballot in front of me. It's due soon. Dave Boswell, Tom Brunanski, Dean Chance, Dan Gladden, Dave Goltz, Mudcat Grant, Christian Guzman, Brian Harper, Jacques Jones, Corey Kosky, Shane Mack, Joe Nathan making his first appearance. Jeff Reardon, Roy Smalley, Cesar Tovar, and Al Worthington. Please return your ballot by January 4th. January 4th can vote up to five. 
up to five. I can tell you I haven't done a ton of homework yet, but it looks like Mudcat Grant, Corey Kosky, and Joe Nathan for sure will get votes from me. And I'll have to look at the other guys, study the other guys. But those three for sure will have my votes. The Twins 2019 Hall of Fame ballot. What else do I have written down? I got some good feedback on the new Twins pitching coach. Wes Johnson was going back and forth with an agent who has a player that played for Wes at the University of Arkansas. So I've heard good things. Cody Allen, the free agent reliever, was actually in town over the weekend for the Vikings-Packers game. I'm told no dialogue with the Twins. So even though he was here in town, a lot of us have tried to make the logical leap. Hey, Derek Falvey, Indians, Cody Allen, the Twins need a reliever. Hey, eventually the Twins should have some interest in Cody Allen. But so far, no dialogue. On the Vikings, David Morgan truly is 50-50 as I sit here on Tuesday Early evening, 50-50. But, for example, this time last week, like last Tuesday the 20th, the Vikings knew then that he wasn't going to play against the Packers. As we sit here on Tuesday early evening, the 27th of November, I would say 50-50. Let's see how Wednesday and Thursday go. But the Vikings have not ruled out to this point David Morgan for Sunday's game at New England. Now, if Morgan doesn't play after missing two games with the knee injury, if he misses a third game, do expect him back for the Seahawks game. But there's a chance... He's back as soon as this Sunday against the Patriots. On Xavier Rhodes, there's a decent chance that he'll miss sometime, but this is not a season-ending injury, as Mike Zimmer alluded to on Monday. The Vikings did not put a claim in for former Alabama linebacker, former 49ers linebacker Reuben Foster. The Redskins were the lone team to put in a waiver claim on Tuesday, so he is awarded to the Washington Redskins. But I was asked a few times on social media, hey, what about the Vikings putting in a claim for Reuben Foster, having interest in Reuben Foster? As I told those people days ago, my sense was no. Now we know officially the answer is no. Please support my bookie, mybookie.com, the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast right now. I'm taking off for a few days, getting away with the misses. The boys will be under the watchful eye of my mother-in-law. God bless her. Thank you so much, Elaine, for letting the misses and I escape for a few days to... Warmer weather, not necessarily great weather, but certainly warmer weather than it is here. But I'll be back in a few days and certainly back with a new Scoop podcast at some point next week. Always appreciate you listening. Have a good one. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Change your vehicle's oil before your summer road trip and save money now with Pennzoil and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic for just $22.95 after mail-in rebate. Save money and protect your engine against sludge and wear with the synthetic oil change. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today or O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.